Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado, Colorado's premier outdoor radio show heard every Saturday afternoon on KLZ 560 with insights on hunting, fishing, archery, guns, and ammo from Colorado's top outfitters featuring the industry's leading experts on how to enhance your experience in the great outdoors. Now, here's your host, Scott Watley. Good afternoon and welcome to Sportsman of Colorado. We are doing a double duty today. Uh, just finished up an hour of Haystack Help Radio and now Sportsman of Colorado. We are coming to you live from the 2017 Western Conservative Summit. 2017. Very good, Scott. I learned that, Welcome Dan. back to this year. <laughs> and that voice is Dan Muir from Rush to Reason. Dan will be taking over the controls from 2 to 7 p.m. here. And we have had a lot of fun this morning. And, Do you know what's uh, so cool, though, Scott? This is my first time on Sportsman. Oh, is it? I've never been on Sportsman before. All right. I'll have to get you a Sportsman Colorado hat. Yeah, I've yeah. got the hat. You already gave oh, me the yeah, hat. That's right. I, have. I, got yeah. the, I love the hat. So where's our guns? I know. I'm ready to start shooting. They're close. Are they? I'll <laughs> say that. <laughs> my gun is close. I love it. Okay. All right. Let's go and talk to our good friend, the 18th Judicial District DA gubernatorial candidate, Mr. George Brockler. How are you, my friend? I'm living the dream. Scott Dan, thanks for having me on. He's Absolutely. living the dream. I love that. Well, good. Well, man, we wish you were here with us in person today, but certainly glad you could take a few minutes and be with us here to, uh, here at the Western Conservative Summit. Absolutely. I'll be there tomorrow for sure. Still wrapping up the tail end of a very short vacation with the family that I got to take out here to see the in-laws, but I'll be well, back tomorrow morning. Absolutely. Well, good deal. Well, you know, it's been, um, you know, and I'll kind of repeat this, and uh, Mr. Brockler was on a, a show with us a, a few weeks ago for the first time, and I moved to Denver in 1993. And um, like everyone else, watch the news, watch all the different coverages of all the different things that have happened, and, of course, just recently the anniversary here of the Aurora uh, movie uh, shooting and all. And, you know, I had just seen um, George on TV, really, and never had the chance to meet him, but I always remember watching – and just, uh, you know, thinking to myself, sometimes telling my wife, I like that guy. I believe that guy. And um, I believe he is telling the truth. And uh, hard to do a day and a lot in our political world. But then after getting to meet you now and being able to spend some time with you just a little bit at a couple of events, uh, we are going to do everything we can to help you win this thing. Oh, my goodness. I appreciate hearing that out loud. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's nice. Thank you. Absolutely. So for those, um, you know, that may, maybe just tuning in to hear, uh, expecting something else on the radio, again, we kind of kidnapped another hour here today and, and did not hear you on our original show. Um, just give us a little bit of the background. I know you do this everywhere you go, but just kind of give us a little of the background and let's talk about some of the ways that we can help. Yeah, in short, and thanks for having me on again, Scott and Dan, to, sure. uh, to chat about this. Look, in short, I'm just a, a kid from middle-class Lakewood who figured out a way to uh, get through public school, take an Army ROTC scholarship through uh, college, got commissioned, became a local prosecutor trying to stand up for the Constitution and against the bad guys, and uh, ultimately have uh, gotten married to a small business owner, an entrepreneur, a wonderful woman. We have four great kids who are also all in public school. They've all been through charter school, and then they'll go on to the district school for middle school and high school. And then I've continued to serve in uniform, including uh, being sent to Iraq the last time I was on active duty, 
And then I've been promoted recently to colonel, which, um, man, I guess if you stick around long enough, they're going to figure out a way to put some rank on you. But it's a, it's a huge honor. <laughs> right. and, then, uh, and then along the way, I've managed to figure out how to become the district attorney for about one in six Coloradans and handling all the criminal issues that we deal with in the most diverse jurisdiction, probably in this part of the country. And along the way, I've just come to the conclusion that the Colorado that, um, that I grew up in is just so much different than the one that I'm about to turn over to my kids. And I've got to do something about it. I can't let that happen. And I feel like now is the best, uh, best time possible to try to get Colorado back on track. Yes, sir. George Brockler is our guest. George, 28 28- Team.com is the website you can go to for more information. And um, recently um, kind of formed a little coalition of sportsmen and gun owners for Brockler. And you'll be hearing more about that as well. And uh, we're actually working on some things with the International Sportsman's Expo coming up here in Denver in 2018, uh, where uh, Mr. Brockler will be able to come and speak as well. So now you've been traveling a lot. I've seen you in, uh, you know, different posts and things all around the state. Um, what are you feeling as you're getting out there among the people? Uh, well, a couple things. First off, momentum and building momentum. And the fact that in our first, uh, the, by the time we reported our first fundraising quarter, we had contributions from every one of Colorado's 64 counties. That ain't easy. Uh, that's a big deal. And you know it ain't easy because nobody else has done it. And uh, so I take pride in that. I take pride in the fact that a Colorado kid has made representing all of Colorado an issue on the forefront uh, of trying to get elected to be governor of this state. And the other thing that I've discovered getting around outside the metro areas, and it was highlighted today in the Post, there's an article there that highlights this, that we really have two Colorados. There is the thriving front range and then there's the rest of the state of Colorado that views itself as the flyover country between Denver and L.A. or Denver and Washington, D.C. And the people that I have seen outside the metro area have mentioned more than once and agreed with the statement that for the last eight to ten years, we've had a governor of Denver and not a governor of the state of Colorado. And I intend to help us be a unified Colorado again, the kind of Colorado that I grew up in, and to try to keep this from becoming Denver and the surrounding area and making it basically just Colorado. Yes, sir. Man, and a few other people here around the table, engineer and all, got headsets on, and when you said that, all hands went in the air. Absolutely. Like, yes, that's good news. No question news. about it. <laughs> so I find it interesting, too. You know, you and Scott were at an event with uh, sportsmen for George. Or sportsmen yeah, sportsmen for, and gun owners for Brockler. For Brockler. George, well, why, why do these people find you appealing? Well, one, I think in part, though, that last thing I talked about matters to them, too. I mean, listen, there aren't a ton of people doing a lot of hunting in Denver, at least legally. And so you've (laughs) got to get out into the other parts of the state. And some of these folks either rent or own or have friends that own. They've been on public lands, and they get it that there seems to be this widening gap between the the culture and, and the communities between Denver and everywhere surrounding the metro area, and they see it. And they see that other part of Colorado is the one that we kind of grew up in, and now it's starting to drift away, and it's becoming more and more marginalized. It's being pushed out to the periphery. Every economic indicator that is bragged about for Colorado is about Denver 
It's not about the surrounding area. And you have these economies and these communities that are starting to get smaller and smaller, less and less farmers, less and less ranchers, more people who raise kids who leave small towns and don't come back, a harder time finding quality education for kids, maintaining teachers, getting doctors. When you're a sports, when you're a sportsman or a sportswoman, you're out there in those communities. You see this, you feel this, you probably have friends that are out there. It's one of the reasons why mm-hmm. I've pledged uh, that when I'm governor, I'm going to decentralize state government. We're going to start spinning off some of these large state agencies that service the rest of the state to the rest of the state. I've talked before on your show about the idea that it makes no yes, sense that wildlife is at 6060 Broadway. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense that natural resources at 1313, whatever it is, out in, mm-hmm. out in Denver. These are agencies that serve the other parts of Colorado, and they should be out in those other parts of Colorado, like rural economic stimulus. And I think the other thing that, that with gun owners and sportsmen, too, is they recognize that I'm a person that has spent my career, whether it's in uniform or out of uniform, standing up for the Constitution. And that includes all of the Bill of Rights, not just the first, not just the fourth and fifth, but the second as well. And that's important if you're a sportsman. Absolutely. George Brockler is our guest. Once again, gubernatorial candidate. Go to george2018.com. And you know what? He needs our help. And uh, I am um, just want to do everything we can uh, to help get our state uh, back a little bit and well, rein it in. We, I mean, we got we got to rein in some of this yeah. this stuff. You know, um, George, I I am not one that believes in man-made climate change or global warming, and and uh, and quite frankly, unconstitutionally, Governor Hickenlooper said we're going to follow the Paris Accords. It's it's not up to the governor of a state to sign an international treaty or even be involved in one. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I think the initial reporting of it, I got my back up just like you did on the idea that how can the governor take this approach without getting the involvement of the legislature or even going to the people themselves on it. Then I took a look at that executive order, and it's not really an executive order. And it's, it's like a proclamation about here are things that we would be, could be, should be doing. If you take a look at the language, it is about as milk toast a thing as you can read. It says, I hereby order state agencies to try to find companies who might be willing to engage in blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it's just very milk toast. It has no teeth in it at all. It was like a feel-good thing that a guy who thinks he might want to be president someday might do to get out in front of the public. But it accomplishes nothing. I mean, if this was something that was truly believed in, he'd go to the legislature or the voters and say, hey, let's give this the force of law. Right now it has the force of nothing. Uh, he's still trying to get the CDPHE to develop the standards by which any of these voluntary uh, limits will be measured. Um, it is almost as hollow as the Paris Accords. Um, the Paris Accords, I thought, were pretty hollow as well. All voluntary, no teeth to them. Each country gets to pick their own measure by which they'll uh, guarantee success or not. Um, all of this stuff seems to me to be a proclamation about, hey, we just want to feel good about what we're doing for the environment without actually doing something to tackle whether or not uh, the climate is really being impacted by what we're doing. Right. George Brockler is our guest. Do you have time for one more segment or do you need to run? Of course. And, and I'm fine. Well, happy to okay, hang great. Happy to All hang. right. George Brockler is our guest. You're listening to a special edition here of Sportsman of Colorado right here on KLZ 560. We're coming to you live from the 2017 Western Conservative Summit with Dan Muir. 
We'll take a short break and be back with more right after this. Sirens blaring, red and blue lights flashing. Getting accused of a DUI is a serious matter. Don't panic. You have Kevin Flesh of Flesh Law on your side. License and registration, please. Here you go, officer. Whether you did it or not, the moment those lights turn on behind you, you're in for a life-changing experience. Keep your hands where the officers can see you. You don't want to put them on edge. And never get out of the car unless asked. Could you step out of your vehicle, please? Uh, sure. Never argue. Always listen to the officers. Be polite, but don't volunteer any information. What's this about, officers? Remember, you do have the right to remain silent. One wrong move, and your life may never be the same. Have you been drinking tonight? Anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. When you've been charged with a crime, call KLZ's expert defense attorney, Kevin Flesh, at 303-806-8886. That's Kevin Flesh of Flesh Law at 303-806-8886. The trial-tested representation you need in your corner. At Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center, we believe that all pets deserve to have a good life. And because we know that your pet will have many different needs throughout its life, we offer complete pet care services every day, all at one location. Whether your furry friend needs a checkup, advanced medical care, surgery, boarding, grooming, obedience training, food, care products, or toys, we are here for your pet seven days a week. At Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center, we know that you want the very best for your pet, which is why you can count on us to provide top-notch care in everything we do. We are certified with the highest rankings by the American Animal Hospital Association and hold a gold star rating with the Better Business Bureau. You and your pet can visit us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m., Saturday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., and Sunday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. We are located at 8681 East Lincoln Avenue in Lone Tree. Learn more about us by visiting our website at LoneTreeVet.com or just give us a call at 303-708-8050. Tired of walking into gun stores and seeing the same guns everywhere you go? Check out our sponsor, Old Steel Historical Firearms. Hi, this is Scott Watley of Sportsman of Colorado. At Old Steel, they specialize in the purchase and sale of historical firearms. Need to get your firearm collection appraised? They can help. Buy, sell, trade, and consignments are welcome at Old Steel. Open 10 to 6, Monday through Saturday. Old Steel Historical Firearms is located at 12 East Gerard Avenue in Inglewood. That's just two blocks north of Hamden, off Broadway. Now you can own a piece of history at Old Steel Historical Firearms. Call 720-662-7252. That's 720-662-7252. Check out their website, oldsteelguns.com. Hi, Dan Johnson, General Manager at Lynn Lyle Chevrolet. You know, I hear it all the time. If you give me a good enough deal, I'll buy your vehicle. So here it is. A 2017 Crew Cab 4x4 loaded for up to $11,000 off MSRP. Or how about a 2017 Chevy Cruze sign and drive lease for only $199 a month? Heck, that's cheaper than a used car. And we'll pay top dollar for your trade-in. So go east and pay the lease. Lynn Lyle Chevrolet I-225 in East Colfax or on the web at lynnlylechevy.com. Chevy, find new roads. Rush to Reason with John Rush, weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560.
Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado. Again, this is a special edition of our show. We will be on Saturday, 1 to 2 p.m., and uh, Bob Broshy, the director of Colorado Parks and Wildlife, will be our guest, along with Dan Gates from the Colorado Fur Trapper Association and a couple other guests we are still working on. But today, our special guest is George Brockler, again, gubernatorial candidate here. Go to george2018.com. Every dollar will help. And uh, so if you don't feel like, hey, you can, you know, donate a ton of money, donate something and help us out. And uh, we're going to be doing all we can here. I know just personally, and again, this is my time on this station, so I'm speaking as myself, not as our station. I'm just saying me personally, I'm going to do everything I can to help. So, uh, again, uh, George, thanks for hanging with us here through this break. But as you have been traveling around and going, and then Dan's got a few questions for you, what are you seeing when you're talking to people that they're just like, wow, this is so refreshing to hear from you. What are some of the big issues out there that they're just looking at you saying, wow, we, we, will, we will join you because we believe in what you're doing? Well, I think some of it is the substantive stuff, which, like we've talked about, either the decentralizing state government or acknowledging that our public education system continues to fail yet another generation of our kids. And we've talked about some of the details of that, too. And the fact that our roads, sure. and, and this is the other part, just talking candidly with people, you know, reminding them that our mm-hmm. roads suck and everybody knows it, and that the answer can't be to just dip into our pockets to another 21% sales tax increase because we can't figure out how to make the legislature prioritize the budget full of $13 billion of our state tax money that they have to spend. I think some of it is just that, too, the straight talk, the direct talk. They don't want someone who has, uh, you know, focus group their answers, someone who has a team full of political consultants and analysts and speech writers and people that give them the right way to say this or that, sound test it. Listen, I'm just talking about the things that I think and that I believe in based on my own research and my own experience. And I think people can hear that when I talk to them. Like, there's no filter between you and I, Scott, or you and me, Dan. Right. When you want me in the studio, I don't say, hey, I need to know the questions in advance. When you say, sure. hey, no, you take a caller, I don't say, hey, let's screen the co-. I'm like, bring it. Bring any question yep. you got, let's have a conversation about it. That's how I've been as a district attorney. That's how I will be as governor of the state of Colorado. I'm not going to be hiding behind press secretaries and a team full of political pundits trying to make sure that I don't say something that might screw up my re-election. It just doesn't work like that with me. Wow. And I think the Coloradans are like, thank God. That's what yes, we sir. want. Less politicians, <laughs> well, you know, George, that, more, more people to serve. Yeah, no, George, that's what I really liked about you when you were running for DA, too. I was a, a delegate uh, to the 18th Judicial District Convention or Assembly, and I spent like an hour on the phone with you ahead of time as you were running, and you were just a straight shooter. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what convinced me to vote for you when I oh, went to that you, assembly. And you know what? You're, you're the same guy today, and, and, I, and I love that, and I love that about you. But I just wish you'd be a little more clear on the roads. I mean, I just, <laughs> I, I just think you're a little vague on that. So, you know, but, you know, the, but, you know, you bring up a great point, you know, for so many of us, Colorado just seems to be Denver, but I spend a lot of time out in the mountains, uh, uh, driving and, you know, the roads out there aren't any better than they are here in the Metro. Nope. No, they're not there. In fact, when you talk to people, let's say the Western slope, you know, they have their own example. They're like, look, I 70 matters to us on this end. Because it feels a lot like CDOT has taken the money that it used to spend on clearing out the snow and the other weather-related blockage that we used to have here timely, and they don't do it as much anymore. Frankly, if we don't come up with another meaningful method to get from the west 
to the Front Range or even to the East Plain, Eastern Plains. It impacts their economies as well. It impacts their quality of life. On the Eastern Plains, they're not complaining about bumper-to-bumper traffic like it's an inconvenience or a quality of life issue. This is about getting food to market issue for them. This is about being right. able to safely navigate their way to a health care center or to some other service that they need. Um, these are issues that take on a different priority, but but a priority nonetheless, even outside of the metro area. And it's consistent all the way around. Listen, we have kicked the can down the road so far that as our state begins to take on 100,000 new people every single year, well, you only got to get a decade, 15 years removed from true action to see what an extra million people does to our infrastructure. And now we're like, well, guess what? In addition to throwing $5,000 tax, 5, taxpayer dollars at every electric car purchaser in the state, oh, cars that won't ever contribute, by the way, to our gas tax, which is the source of our upkeep and maintenance of roads, um, we're also not going to spend it to widen I-70, to take care of I-25 north of town or south of town. Uh, all of these things are starting to strangle the metro area and impact the rest of the state. And you want to talk about seeing this uh, this great expansion that we've gone through, this great economy that seems like it's it's moving along pretty quickly, come to a screeching halt. It's when people figure out it's not fun to live here anymore. Can't get to the mountains to enjoy it. Can't no, get right. to the mountains to be a sportsman. I, I will go to Utah. I will go to Arizona. I will go someplace not here because these guys don't know how to take care of these core government competencies like education no, infrastructure. No, George, you, you couldn't be more spot on. I mean, you know, when, it's, when you think to yourself, it's easier for me to drive to DA, fly to Idaho and enjoy their mountains than <laughs> it is to get on I-70 and to drive into the mountains. You, you know you've got a serious problem. And, and that's basically what it's like around here on the weekend trying to get up to the mountains. It's crazy. There are, uh, there are mayors in city council members and commissioners up in the mountains that have had conversations with people from Denver and city government that have said, look, if you guys can't figure out what to do about I-70 here, if we can't get this squared away, people are going to stop flying into DIA and driving up to Breckenridge and Vail and Aspen. Instead, they're going to fly to Utah or somewhere else, maybe Idaho, or they'll fly directly into these smaller airports so they can avoid having to drive through Denver and up I-70. That's embarrassing. I mean, that's shameful that people have to adjust their conduct related to our economy and our state because we can't figure out how to do roads. No, you're, you're spot on. Okay, George, so you're going to be speaking here tomorrow night. What are you going to be talking about? Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm going to talk about a lot of, the, I think, the conservative principles that drive us, not just for the state of Colorado. I mean, this is a, a national gathering of thinkers and conservatives that are going to come out here. And I don't want to limit it to just Colorado, but there are a lot of issues, I think, that are consistent coast to coast. And you can see, when you look across that ideological spectrum to the other side, in fact, we have the other side represented in this gubernatorial race, the lesson that they seem to have learned from 2016 is we weren't Bernie Sanders enough. We weren't liberal enough. We didn't try for more government control of more day-to-day activities. Uh, that's a scary prospect, but that's not one that's limited to Colorado. That, that's everywhere. And I think that this election, especially coming right before the census and redistricting, is one that's going to be critical for conservatives to have a voice in and try to win outright if we're going to continue to move America towards uh, sanity and away from Europe. Yeah, well, we really need a stark contrast between our side and their side, and I think you're the guy. I agree. Oh, I appreciate that. Oh, I appreciate <laughs> so, George, that. So, George, if people to want guy. to contribute... If people want to contribute or volunteer, we'll run out of time. If people want to contribute or volunteer, where do they go, sir? 
Oh, yeah, please, george2018.com. Go there and just remember, hey, there are millionaires in this race. There are people with long political lineages and family names in this race. I ain't that guy. I'm the guy that wins because of you, face-to-face, handshake-to-handshake, phone-call-to-phone call, and that's how we're going to win this thing. Now, I assume on there, too, will also be maybe where you may be speaking at different deals or do you, or any dates come to mind of where you may be uh, going to be uh, and uh, let people know where they, they could come and see or the best thing, just go to george2018.com? Yeah, I say go to george2018.com, and we'll update okay. it as it becomes available. Tomorrow night's the big one for us in the near term. I'll also be at a, at a Latino event before Western Conservative Summit tomorrow. That's in Westminster. Uh, but wow. I try to get around to as many of these events as I can all over the state. Absolutely. Hey, I appreciate you taking a half hour out of your busy schedule oh, and time away with your family. And uh, we will look forward to hooking up with you again very soon. All right, sir. Hey, thanks, Scott. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, okay, George. thank you. Try That's George Brockler. Go to george2018.com and let's do this. Let's do it. I mean, really, we, we, we do not need any more Hickenloopers or Ritters in the governor's exactly. mansion. We do not. You're listening to a special edition of Sportsman of Colorado. We'll be right back. This is Red Merrill for Phoenix Weaponry. Phoenix Weaponry is a weapon manufacturer that services the firearm enthusiast. From precision ARs to suppressors, Phoenix Weaponry can make your dreams come true. Phoenix Weaponry is a full-service gun shop that offers gunsmithing, coding, and modifications to your own weapon. Phoenix Weaponry, family-owned and operated right here in Colorado. If you can dream it, Phoenix Weaponry can build it. Call today, 720-340-2496. Again, that's 720-340-2496. Or visit their website, phoenixweaponry.com. Mention Sportsman of Colorado and receive 10% off your custom-built weapon. What if it was possible to train your body how to burn excess fat through natural homeopathic means? Dr. Julie Marchial uses a time-tested protocol to unlock unnecessary fat stores in your body, converting fat into energy so you can experience permanent weight loss. Because this remarkable method targets only your bad fat, leaving vital stores of necessary fat untouched, your body will begin to experience balance in a new and healthier way. As Dr. Julie leads you through her unique weight loss program, your brain will gradually relearn what it means to feel full and to feel hungry. You will find many of your old cravings simply disappear. Call Dr. Julie at Ascent Health Center today to find out how KLZ hosts John Rush, Scott Watley, and Dan Muir put their bodies to work for them with unbelievable results. Call 303-343-8800, that's 303-343-8800, or go to ascenthealthcenter.com. This is Scott Watley for my friends at Rampart Firearms in Sedalia. This is a great store. Family owned and operated. They buy, sell, trade, and consign firearms. You will find a great selection of new and pre-owned handguns, shotguns, and rifles. If you can't find the gun you want, Rampart Firearms will special order your gun at no extra cost. Found a gun on the internet? Rampart Firearms will do one firearm transfer and the background check for only $10 if you mention Sportsman of Colorado. Rampart Firearms, 720-468-0050. That's 720-468-0050. Located at Highway 67 in Santa Fe in Sedalia. Rampart Firearms open seven days a week. 720-468-0050.
Well, we did it now. Hi, Dan Johnson from Lin Lau Chevrolet. And we received a special allocation of over 600 new Chevrolets, and we're out of room. So to relieve our problem, check these deals out. A 2017 Silverado Crew Cab 4x4 for up to $11,000 off MSRP, or lease a 2017 Chevy Cruze for only $199 a month, sign and drive. Or a 2017 Chevrolet Equinox for up to $6,000 off MSRP. Go east and pay the lease. Lin Lyle Chevrolet, I-225 in East Colfax, or on the web at Lin Lyle Chevy Com. Chevy, find new roads. Dana Lash, 10 o'clock tonight on The Source, KLZ 560 AM and 100.7 FM. Edition of Sportsman of Colorado again. Catch us on Saturday from 1 to 2 this week. Our guest will be Bob Broshad. Bob is the director of Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Also, Dan Gates is going to join us from the Colorado Fur Trappers Association. And a couple of the guests we're still working on, but we'll have a great show uh, tomorrow from 1 to 2. And then you can catch a replay of that on Sundays at 9 a.m. right here on KLZ 560. But again, we're having a great time down here today. Going to be here till 7 o'clock tonight. Um, kind of a KLZ day down here. And if you're just joining us, my name is Scott Watley, along with Dan Muir from Rush to Reason. Dan, who all you got? And this on? is my first time. This yep. is my first time on Sportsman. So I feel like, it is. I, feel like I, I feel like I just got my man card back because I, I keep losing it on Rush to Reason about I, every day. I lose it I need somewhere to get you along the line. a camo line. shirt, though, instead of, you know, your. Wait, it's got a palm Bahama. tree. Ah, oh, come on. <laughs> okay. All right, let's talk here with Doug Heaton. Doug is on the board of directors of American Lands Council. Also, Jennifer Fielder joins us. Folks, thanks for joining us. Thank you. So, um, uh, Doug, I'll let you start. Tell us a little bit about this organization. American Lands Council. Um, great organization. It was formed for the purpose of uh, compelling the federal government to honor the same obligations uh, to dispose of the land that they had honored with all of the states east of Colorado. East of Colorado. De- de- define dispose of the land. Dispose of the land is Article 4, Section 3 language. Congress shall have power to dispose of and make necessary rules and regulations regarding yeah, so what that means is that the federal government isn't supposed to retain title of the federally controlled lands that they do now hold title to. They're supposed to actually transfer that to the states or the people. And they were doing quite a bit of that early in our nation's history, but they stopped doing it about uh, 1976. Okay. And since then, we've seen uh, an awful lot of neglect on our federal lands. We've seen the, the beetle kill ravish, ravage our national forests. We've seen our access blocked off massive wildfires they don't tend to get on those uh, soon enough to put them out manage we're not taking any timber out of the woods so we've got overgrown overstocked forests that are a a catastrophic wildfire waiting to happen that's destroying our habitat Uh, we're we're being blocked off from a lot of our hunting grounds and of course a lot of them are going up in smoke as well as the animals that are on them so it's it's federal mismanagement of these lands that have really led us to take a good look at our constitutional right to actually control the lands within each state the people in the state are closer to the land, we care about it more, and we're going to be able to make better decisions than bureaucrats in Washington, D.C., or politicians in Washington, D.C., thousands of miles away who, has, who have never even been here. Sure. So how do we get the word? Um, I want to talk to you guys after the show because I want to help you get the word out on our show <laughs> weekly. But how do we get the word to outdoorsmen, sportsmen, and different folks like that, you know, about your organization and how they can help with that? Um, great question. Uh, the first thing is beware of green decoys. Um, www.greendecoys.com are actually some 
um, groups that are starting to hijack or co-opt some of the sportsmen's communities, and they're telling terrible lies about our efforts yep. to, to put lands in the hands of the people in the states. And uh, so beware of that, but uh, true sportsmen get it. They understand mm-hmm. that we there's a lot of management problems and there's a lot of access being blocked off. So uh, the information is at AmericanLandsCouncil.org. It's AmericanLandsCouncil.org. Okay. And we're a nonprofit. We're a true volunteer organization. Our uh, board of directors and even our executive staff are not paid. We all do this volunteer because we believe in liberty and we, b- we want our lands to be managed better. We want our access to be opened up and we want our communities to be able to thrive and be healthy again as well. Right. Go ahead, sir. I, oh, I was just going to make a clarification because I, I, I said something a moment ago that made Jennifer <clears throat> really nervous. And let me tell you why it made her nervous. Okay. In their co-opting of our message, the left has tried to brand us as someone who is going to just sell off all of the lands. <clears throat> Originally, that may have been what the Founding Fathers may have, have intended, but that is not what we are trying to do. We are trying to bring the land to state management with all valid existing rights intact. Now, in my country... I don't know what it's like in Colorado, but there's all kinds of new federal regulations over the forest that say things like this. You can you can drive down this road, the ones that we haven't already closed, but you can't park off the road more than 20 feet. Now, if I'm a woodcutter, for example, that means that I have to go to the... Uh, if I'm a woodcutter, I have to haul it out by hand. No, no motorized vehicles off the road more than more than 25 feet. Okay. Right. If I'm a hunter, that means that there's no motorized access off the, and that's the kind of policies that are systematically being enacted. If 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 we continue the course that we're presently on, it won't be long before those accesses will be denied the hunters and the sportsmen as well as everyone else. If we were able to do this under state management, there's no way the hunters and the sportsmen would allow the states to get away with that kind of abuse, uh, we would be able to access. We would be able to keep those accesses open. I love the outdoors. Sure, me too. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not interested in seeing that go away. But it is systematically evaporating right before our eyes in my country, and I suspect it is in yours too right. because you have the same forest service. And you actually and live where now? I'm in southern Utah. Southern Utah. Right in the middle of Bryce, and in, Zion, and Jennifer's Grand Canyon. in Montana. Yeah, yeah. and boy, I, was, yeah. I just told her before you But guys. I wanted to, to, to lay that to rest Absolutely. because, because they, were, they were very effective at trying to identify us as the people who were going to just sell off the land. That is not what we are about. We are not about selling off the land. We're right. about bringing a, a, a control home. And I wanted to address that head-on because that's the lie they told, and so many of the sportsmen group bought it. Sure. Okay. Well, it's crazy to think that a federal government that's $20 trillion in debt isn't desperate to sell off its assets. Mm-hmm. And, and they are and they do, and they have the power to do that. Congress has the power to dispose of public lands. We want them in state hands so that the people in the states can decide. And we love our lands a lot more than people that have never been here do. And we know how to manage them. When you have management decisions made by people closer to the subject matter, you tend to get better decisions. It just makes total sense. Right. Um, well, you know, I, I'm looking at this map, and I, I, I'm, I'm horrified. <laughs> I mean, if you live in Nevada, you might as well live in Washington, D.C. There is no private land there. Somewhere around the state, 85% is federal. I mean, I mean, look at that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you can't That's see this nuts. on the radio, right? <laughs> but the only, the only 
white dot that the federal government doesn't own is Las Vegas. And yeah. Reno. Yeah. And yeah. Reno. Yeah, so, you can hardly see Reno. So what you're looking at is a map of all the federally controlled land in America, and it's over half of all the land in Western America is under the control of the federal government. Over half. Whereas on the eastern side of the state, it's less than 5% yeah. under federal control. As it should be. Well, you know. That, that's my opinion. I mean, uh, I mean, why have states, why have state sovereignty if, you, if your state doesn't even own its own land? Right. Right. Yeah, we're not being treated equal. It's a great imbalance, and that imbalance is not only unfair, it's not working. The, the management is upside down. For instance, in my uh, district uh, of northwest Montana, we watched a wildfire start up um, last summer, July 31st. Lightning, uh, a little fire got started near a trailhead, actually, and the state f- fire crews were ready and able to go in, but the federal government said, no, 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 that's our land. You stay off. They've actually barred state helicopters from going in and putting out these lightning-caused fires when they're small Mm -hmm. and when they're controllable, and they wait until they turn into these major multi-million-dollar disasters. Yeah. But, you you know, we we just had one in my neighboring county, in Iron County. It started in Iron, went into Garfield. 80,000 acres of prime forest land, but that fire didn't start a month ago. It started about 20 years ago when the Forest Service marked a timber sale because of the bugs. They were, plan was to take them out, get the bugs out of the forest, and the environmental community uh, sued and, 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 and got an injunction against the timber sale. They kept those suits and injunctions coming until the bugs had escaped, and then the entire forest was infested with the bugs. That forest was a standing dead forest then for about 15 years, and, th- and then what happened we knew what would happen, and, and it finally did happen in the, in the form of a fire that took 80,000 acres. And the real tragedy is it, if, if you're allowed to manage the garden, to weed the garden, mm-hmm. to weed the forest, sure. your fires then are not catastrophic fires because the fuel loads are, are, are kept under control. When you get a fire like this, well, for those of you who care, we just lost probably 800,000 animals, okay? And if that doesn't doesn't wow. touch your heart, then you don't have one. Sure. You know, they, they thought, I think, in the beginning when they, when they you know, I, I think these people actually believed that they were doing good. Mm-hmm. But what they did is sign the death warrant eventually for 800,000 animals. Right. And the forest. We have a watershed completely decimated now. For the next 10 years, every, it, every time it rains, we have ground that used to be like a sponge, and now it's like a saran wrap. And the water will simply run off, and uh, no water's going in. Our springs will dry up and until the earth heals. And it'll take some time because this is hot. This was a hot fire. Sure, absolutely. Doug Heaton is our guest. He's on the board of directors of American Lands Council. Also, Jennifer Fielder is with us. Go to AmericanLandsCouncil.org for more information. Now, what, what were the web? Well, the webs, and we've talked about this with several of the guests about different organizations. I mean, where can people really go to find the truth? You mentioned, hey, there's a lot of different things out there. And sometimes you look on Facebook, somebody will post something about lands getting sold, and, man, four or 500 comments. And yep. nobody really knows no. what they're talking about. No. And so how, where do people go to for the truth? You, Your website? You, you absolutely. Yeah. We, we believe very firmly in truth, no propaganda. We have facts to back up everything we say. That's why the left shouts so hard with their rhetoric. For example, yeah. I, I serve in the Montana State Senate. I carried a bill that would prohibit the state of Montana 
from selling any of the land after it's transferred to the states. And these green decoy groups showed up and testified, you know, Wilderness Association sure. and, and the Wildlife Federation. They showed up and testified against the bill that would have kept the public lands public. Then they held a rally to raise money in our state capital and bring everybody from all across the state all up in arms about how I was trying to sell off the land. It, people wouldn't read the bill. All you have to do is look at the legislation, look at what it says. Um, that bill was super simple. I mean, it was a paragraph, mm-hmm. basically. No way to misconstrue its intent. But these green decoy, go to www.greendecoys.com okay. if you want to find out who's lying about it. And go to the American Lands Council, uh, org for the truth. And I tell you, these groups, anti-groups, whether it's hunting, whatever, they are well-funded, well-organized, and we better get after it ourselves yeah. or we're going to be in a world of hurt. Follow the money trail is another way to find yeah. out uh, we're member-driven and we're on a low budget. Yeah. Um, these these green decoy groups have millions, hundreds of millions of dollars funding them Absolutely. coming from foreign interests. Right. Do, do, do you think the uh, – am, am I running out of time No, here? we got two minutes. So do, do you think the uh, Trump administration will be more favorable to, towards helping you guys achieve your goals? or the, the, I mean, the Obama administration, no way. I yeah. mean, they're, they're going to control as much as possible. No, they were the lock it up and let it burn crowd. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, President Trump is a lot more friendly to states' rights, and we're working with the Trump administration on management and regulatory reforms. Uh, we need to educate them better about the land transfer and the constitutional rights of the states to be equal. Um, there's there's some work in progress there, but we have a lot of faith in, in him. But it's not just President Trump. We've got to go to our Constitution. We've got to follow um, the consistent system that our founders set up for us so that the control and the debates don't have to fluctuate uh, according to these ideologies. If we follow our Constitution, the states will be able to, to govern their, their lands and resources within their state. And then the people that are there that are using the land the most, that care about it the most, they're the ones that are going to have the most influence on the decisions rather than the Washington, D.C. lobbyists. Sure. Well, when you look at this map, D.C. is a long ways from the West. <laughs> Don't you think the people in the West can manage their lands better than some bureaucrat we, sitting in D.C. somewhere? We actually have run some analysis on what the states cost and then and, and, and then the return. And as opposed to federal management, state management, uh, the states are approximately what, well, the, the feds lose, okay? States are outperforming the feds about 10 to 1. You know, Canada figured it out. Canada actually went through a process called devolution, and they devolved control, management, and regulatory authority from the federal level down to their territorial levels. See, that's exactly what needs to be done. And that's exactly what you guys are fighting for. Amen. That's exactly what that's, we're that's fighting perfect. for. That's perfect. Can, you guys, can you guys hang with us a couple of minutes to a break? You bet. Okay. You're listening to Sportsman of Colorado. We're coming to you live from the Western Conservative Summit. We'll be right back. If you have just been in an accident, there is a lot going on. With the screeching tires, crunching metal, and breaking glass, it's hard to remember what to do. That's why Kevin Flesh of Fleshlaw wants you to remember to panic. No, he doesn't mean run around screaming or start hyperventilating. He means use the acronym P-A-N-I-C to remember what to do. P is for police. Call the police immediately. It's very important to have an official record of what happened. A is assess, as in assess all of your injuries and seek medical care if necessary. N is for never admit fault. It's your job to take care of yourself, not to determine who is at fault. I is for insurance. Take pictures of the other person's insurance and ID info and get pictures of the accident if you can 
And finally, C is for Call Kevin Flesh. Kevin Flesh is more than just a name used to intimidate the insurance companies. He will help you. If you've been injured in an accident, call Flesh Law at 303-806-8886 for a free consultation, and he'll help you get the compensation that you deserve. Stack Optical has the latest technology and retinal imaging that can give you early detection of diseases like glaucoma, diabetes, MS, and high blood pressure. You really need to have your eyes checked every year, not just for your vision changes, but for your overall health. At Stack Optical, retinal imaging is a painless, non-invasive procedure. All you see is a flash of light, and you're done. With annual eye exams, retinal imaging, you can establish a baseline and possibly cure or stop the advancement of disease. Stack Optical has a great variety of lightweight rimless frames, and Alan Stack can also customize the shape of the rimless frames for you in his on-site lab. I've already had my annual eye exam, so get yours at Stack Optical and ask for the $69 eye exam. 303-321-1578. That's 303-321-1578, or visit stackoptical.com. If you're looking for great deals on outdoor equipment and clothing, we've got you covered. Hi, this is Bill Paddock, owner of the Outdoorsman's Attic, your outdoor gear consignment headquarters. You'll save 20, 30, 40, even 50% on previously owned outdoor gear for the fisherman, hunter, and camper. We also sell live bait, firearms, and ammo. If you're doing a little spring cleaning, bring in your gear to the Outdoorsman's Attic. We'll sell it for you and put cash in your pocket. You can also pick up your hunting and fishing licenses right here at the store. Your one-stop shop for all your outdoor gear needs is the Outdoorsman's Attic, located at 2650 West Hampton Avenue in Sheridan, Colorado. 303-781-3626. That's 303-781-3626. Or visit us online at outdoorsmansattic.com. Mention Sportsman's of Colorado and receive 20% off all your outdoor clothing. Hi, Dan Johnson with Lynn Lyle Chevrolet. And right now we're selling all 2017 Chevrolets at employee supplier pricing, plus all the rebates, for a total of up to $11,000 off on some vehicles. And we need your trade-ins, and we'll pay the highest prices anywhere, whether you owe money on it or not. Give us a chance, you won't be sorry. I guarantee you that nobody can sell you a Chevrolet for less than Lynn Lyle Chevrolet. Go east and pay the lease. Lynn Lyle Chevrolet, I-225 in East Colfax, or on the web at lynnlylechevy.com. Chevy, find new roads. Rush to Reason with John Rush, weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado. If you're just joining us and saying, hey, it's not Saturday, we are doing a special edition of Sportsman of Colorado. We are coming to you live from the convention center here in Denver, Colorado. Here on KLZ 560, my name is Scott Watley. Dan Muir is with us. Dan will be uh, manning the host chair then the rest of the way till 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Have you I th- lost my mind? What were you thinking? <laughs> know, it sounded like a great idea at the time. <laughs> Our guest right now, though, we're going to finish up this segment here in just a few minutes, but I want to just finish out the show with these fine folks from the American Lens Council. We have Doug Heaton. He is with the Board of Directors and also Jennifer Fielder, and she is the CEO. And, uh, you know, we were kind of talking during the break. We have to become, and whether we're talking to George Brockler, our friend that's running for governor here, you know, we have to be um, educated and know where to get the right information to know about these issues. And the American Lands Council Foundation, public lands, better access, better health, better productivity, and this supports the transfer of public lands to willing western state so we are going to even talk about it getting these folks back on with us to talk about some of these things 
So take Montana, and by the way, beautiful state. I mentioned to you on the break, I was in Plains, Montana, Red Lodge, Montana in April, and uh, doing a little hunting up there, and absolutely gorgeous. We love it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Colorado's pretty, but I mean, Montana has some beautiful, beautiful sights for sure. Yeah. So let me just add, uh, Jennifer, how did you get involved in all this and the whole political side of things, and what made you want to get involved in this? Well, uh, watching our country go the wrong direction, for one thing. Sure. Uh, I ran for office in 2012 and uh, never really had run for anything before and never really been that politically engaged before, but we were looking for someone to step up and fill the role of state senator from northwest Montana, and I started trying to help find somebody that I thought would be good that I could trust. And sure. There wasn't any good people I could trust that wanted to do it. So like, I, I can trust me. Yeah. I looked at my husband one day and I said, are you going to run or am I? Somebody's got to step in because if good people don't lead, others will. And we've been seeing our forest uh, just utterly destroyed and locked up. And I had worked through the process of trying to um, work through the traditional channels of um, get involved in forest management for years, actually for a couple of decades. I'm a, I was a consultant for recreation planning and development. I worked with a number of different stakeholder organizations, and it was basically just going around uh, like a like a rat on a Ferris wheel, you know. Mm-hmm. You'd go to all the meetings and you'd do all the work for years and years, and then you'd end up with the same bad solution, and that was a, a poor management decision that locked up the lands and prevented proper management. Right, and you know, you guys mentioned fires. Wow, you talk about destructive. It's unbelievable. But I heard one just the other day, and I cannot remember where it was. But uh, they said, "Oh, the National Guard is on." Like you were talking about, they're on standby, but. We're going to see what we can handle here first. And all that time, forest is burning, animals dying, homes are getting closer to getting destroyed, all the different things. So I can see the frustration level there. Well, there are fires, and then there are fires. Right. And and in a properly managed forest, uh, the fuel loads are low. Uh, Fire never really becomes a crown fire normally. And so... The fire, you know, is manageable. You can put them out. It's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. But in these other kind of fires, it's absolutely a devastation because because the heat actually bakes the ground. It, it destroys all of the uh, all of the layer of uh, duff that's built up that, sure. that protects the forest, the watersheds. Uh, there's just so many reasons. There, there's education that needs to take place on so many levels, mm-hmm. but the forest economy. The, the, the fact that, that trees drink water, you got 70 trees per acre, there's enough water for the trees, you got 700 trees per acre, there's no way. Right. As those trees try to grow and they demand more and more water, eventually stalemate, and then the bug comes in. And the tree without enough water doesn't create enough sap, and its only defense is when the bug bores in, then the tree pitches with sap, kills the bug, wins the battle. But without enough, you know, you get a stressed forward forest in the, in the situation we're talking about now. No way they can win the forest. It always succumbs to the bugs, and then it becomes the big fire trap. It's not a normal fire trap now. Sure. It's a fire trap with enormous fuel loads. And when this fire finally starts, uh, it's it's the end of the forest right. and, and everything that lives in it. Right. Jennifer? Yeah, I just wanted to mention for those that are wondering how we could do this, you know, because it's it's a big ask, right, to, to take federal land and transfer to the state. I mean, that's a, that's millions, hundreds of millions of sure. acres. So what we're proposing is a piece of federal legislation that would allow each state to apply for specific areas of land as the state is willing and ready to accept management responsibility for those areas. So a state could identify a, a basin or a, a unit, a tract of land, and uh, when they're ready, they can just make application to 
um, the Secretary of Agriculture or the Secretary of Interior and um, say, hey, we guarantee that we'll protect the existing rights. We guarantee we'll protect uh, public access to those lands and we'll manage those lands in accordance with the, the purpose for which we're applying for them. So each state can pick out the pieces that they're ready for as they're ready and go about this incrementally in small bits and pieces so that um, it's not some big overwhelming switch all of a sudden that's going to um, end up in chaos. We want an orderly and timely transfer that makes sense and we want to make sure that we can take good care of the resources and, and set this up for success. Sure. Let's go to the phones real quick before we get out. Uh, let's go to Mark. He's in the Black Forest. Mark's Mark. in the Black Forest. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thank you. Uh, I know a little bit you? about Montana and Missoula and the the, uh, the jumpers there in Missoula. Um, but what my question is, is uh, about the Flathead uh, Indian Reservation. Uh, they've got a lot of land, a lot of forest. the experience? Um, does the... Uh, uh, forest department have jurisdiction or does the the indian tribe have indian jurisdiction over those forests what what do you know about that yeah that's a great question the flathead indian reservation is actually in in my senate district at least part of it oh, is okay. and there was a, a fantastic study that was done by perk its property and environmental research center that was done oh, a few years back and they compared federal forest management to the tribal forest management by the Salish tribe, and they found the Salish tribe was just really outperforming. They're they doing a fantastic job of managing the forested land that's on tribal grounds. There are some national forest lands that extend into the reservation boundaries, too. It's kind of strange. But um, the ground that the tribe is managing, they're taking very good, good care of their forest, and we're seeing that down in uh, the southern United States as well, where there was a, a big fire down there. I believe it was in Arizona, and it just laid down when it got to tribally managed ground. The tribes are managing actively. The feds are neglecting. Hmm. Thank Does you. that answer your question, Mark? Yes. Okay, great, great. Hey, we appreciate you listening. <laughs> well, folks, again, we're going to talk a little bit after we get off air here because I would love to uh, bring your knowledge to the airwaves here in Colorado. Now, Montana, Utah, do we have a Colorado representative person here we've got some real interest in colorado there's some counties that are members of the american lands council some county commissioners uh i can't remember we don't have any colorado uh, legislators that are on our board but there's definitely a lot of folks in colorado that support what we're doing and are active and our organization is predominantly members from the western states but we've got members from across the country as well so yeah we've got some great supporters in colorado we would love more good we're going to see what we can do about (laughs) that all right great well dan so Go to AmericanLandsCouncil.org yes. and hit hit become a member. Okay. Yeah, uh, okay, there's a membership. All right, man, we're out Absolutely. of time now. But go to AmericanLandsCouncil.org, become a member today. And, again, we're going to be getting these folks back on Sportsman of Colorado uh, to bring more knowledge to all of us. And, quite frankly, free the western states. Yes. Free the land. Free the land. Absolutely. I love it. That's right. Well, Dan will assume the host chair now for the next well, that's right. five reason. hours. Rush Coming up for the next five hours. <laughs> I'm a glutton thank for you, punishment. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't go anywhere. Leave it right here on KLZ 560. Sportsman of Colorado coming up tomorrow, 1 to 2. Again, Bob Brosha, Director of Colorado Parks and Wildlife, will be our guest. Dan Gates from the Colorado Fur Trapper Association. And a couple of more folks we're still lining up. But thanks for being with us. And again, leave that dial right there on KLZ 560.
views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.